on Palm Sunday. Why are we here on Palm Sunday? Now, uh, again, we want to welcome each and every one of you and, and just expecting an incredible, credible week throughout this entire week. But right now, I want to take you back to the summer of 1984. How many of y'all remember that summer? <laughs> you don't remember the cultural phenomenon that took place in 1980. Now, that's not the year I was born. I know that's what you're thinking. But now, if you're under the age of 30, it might be a little hard for you, okay? But I'm sure if you know the name Kevin Bacon, you're going to catch up, all right? How many have ever heard the name Kevin Bacon? Come on, all right? And some of us were just not willing to admit it in church, right? How many of you have ever heard of Bacon? If you haven't heard of bacon, then you need prayer because that's God's greatest gift to mankind. Um, but in the summer of 1984, there's a, a, a movie that comes out. It's a musical. And it's called, can anyone call it? Footloose. Foot, now, how many know what I'm talking about? Oh, all right, some of you, all right, some of you are like, that was, that was before my church days and I don't remember that, right? Okay, well, poor Kevin Bacon, 30 years later, He's still known as that guy from Footloose, right? Now, if you don't happen to remember, again, the, the plot of Footloose, if you happen to, um, to manage to avoid this, this uh, highlight of the 80s, let me fill you in. It's a classic struggle of good versus evil, okay? More or less teenagers versus pastors, okay? <laughs> that's that, that's this, this, the, the pastor in this movie, he's the bad guy. In a small town, the local clergyman has persuaded the town council to ban all music and to ban all dancing. Now, as a side note here, can someone please make a movie where the pastor has some fun, right? Where the pastor enjoys life. You ever notice that when a pastor is depicted in a movie, he's the guy that, you know, well, we don't have fun around. You ever notice that? I'm sick of that, Right? I want to enjoy a movie where the pastor goes, hey, you know, we're here to enjoy life, right? And so, but anyways, in this movie, I'm just saying it, just throwing it out there in case you make a movie one day, make a fun pastor. This small town, he's, he's just moved into the small town. He's a big city guy named Wren, and he's moved into this town with his mother, and, and he can't help himself. Wren's got to dance. Oh, I know the feeling, right? Come on, people. Which sets up all kinds of run-ins between this dancing, music-listening teenager and the very grumpy Reverend Moore, okay? Now, here's where I'm going with this 1980s flashback, okay? Let, let me just start thinking here. I, I, I'm thinking that Jesus, coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, hang on, work with me here, was a lot like Kevin Bacon coming in that small town in Footloose, all right? Now, before you run out of here yelling whatever you want to yell, hear me out. Now, I'm fairly certain you're not going to hear this from behind a lot of pulpits <laughs> this morning, right? But I want to look at what happens that morning in Jerusalem. Jesus, he comes into town. He's bringing joy. And the response of the people who come to see him, their response is also joy, there's exuberance, there's laughter, there's singing, there's dancing, and what happens? What happens is the old grumpy clergymen, known as the Pharisees, they show up, and they come out to see what's going on, and they don't like it. They don't like the joy, 
They don't like the celebration. They don't like the music. They don't like the hope. They don't like the Hosanna. They don't like the dancing. Do you know anyone like that? You just get excited about something. Man, I can't wait for Easter. Why? Well, bless your heart, right? That's how these, these guys are. They didn't like it. And so they told Jesus, order your followers to stop. And Jesus, he said to them, he said, guys, it's a great line. He said, if, I, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst out into cheer. Luke 19.40. With this triumphal entry of Jesus, he comes in Jerusalem and all the crowds are waving their palm branches and they're shouting Hosanna. And there's three groups in this story. There's the crowd, the Pharisees, and the disciples. And they were all part of this event on this day. But the grand entrance of Jesus coming into Jerusalem didn't turn out the way they expected. Now, just a little background here before we get into the main meat of the message. As the people, the main meat wasn't bacon. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Come on, all right. As the people would wave their palm branches, they would shout Hosanna. And you need to understand that's not the first time that this happened. In fact, this was a traditional greeting. The people were accustomed to getting a national hero or a conquering king that would come into the city. And when they come into the city, the people would gather at the gate or at the entrance of the city. And they would wave palm branches and they would shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And Hosanna simply means save us now. Save us now. Save us now. So let's look at these three groups. Let's look at these three, three groups that were in this. We got the, 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 the crowd, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and the disciples. Okay, the crowd the Pharisees, and the disciples. So let's take a look at the crowd first because the, the interesting thing about the crowd is that they have a perspective of what's in it for me. That's what these guys are there for. Their perspective of this entire entrance of Jesus on this Palm Sunday was what's in it for me. They weren't looking for a savior from their sin. They were simply looking for someone who could get the Romans off their back. That's what they wanted. They were under Roman rule. And they heard about this guy named Jesus. And they heard about how just a week before that he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And they they were thinking to themselves, man, this Jesus, he's coming into town. And if this guy, if he can raise dead people, maybe he can do something about the Romans. Maybe he can take care of the Romans. In the book of John, there were some who was asking the question, who is he? Who is this Jesus? And they said, I I don't know, but he's our meal ticket. That's what I know. I know that he, he, I think he can handle the Romans. And so a lot of them, they don't even really know who he was. But one thing for sure, they were looking for what they wanted. And what they, when they realized that Jesus was not going to give them what they wanted, what they expected him to do, this same crowd that cried Hosanna in John 12 is the same crowd that turned their back and yelled, crucify him, crucify him in John 19. The same people. See, because my tendency to be self-centered leads me to some deception. We all have a tendency to be self-centered. Look at your neighbor and say, you do too. Now look up here at the pulpit and say, you do too. Let you know I'm in on that. We all have a tendency to be self-centered sometimes. It's human nature. Sometimes I can't really see and understand what I need because I'm so focused on what I want, just like the crowd. Then there's another group of people there. There's the religious leaders. There's the Pharisees. Let's take a look at them. These guys, they knew prophecy. These guys, they knew scripture. They should have seen this coming. Daniel the prophet, he prophesied over 300 years ago to the exact date. 
In fact, he gave a number on the calendar of when the Messiah would enter into the city in Daniel chapter 9. And you would think that they would have been marking those days down, but they didn't see it. It was prophesied by Zechariah that Jesus would come, that the Messiah would come into Jerusalem riding on the colt of a donkey. How could they miss this? These are guys that were educated in the scripture. They knew this. The religious leader's perspective in this situation, though, was this. I'm in control here, Jesus, not you. I am. Okay? The religious leaders, they had a really good thing going. Okay? Now, the crowd, they're wanting the Romans off their back. But the religious leaders, they didn't want Jesus to mess this up. Because the Romans pretty much let the religious leaders, the Pharisees, do what they wanted to do. But the religious leaders, these Pharisees, they were scared of what Jesus was going to do. They were intimidated by him because they thought that he was going to attempt a political coup. And so they thought that he's going to mess up our good thing. Right now, we're good. Right now, we're in control. And it's not, to, it's not about to be like that. In fact, when the Pharisees says in John 12, verse 19, the Pharisees said to one another, we've lost. Look, the whole world has gone after him. See, because my desire for control creates an unteachable spirit. Oh, come on. The Pharisees, I know we're jumping real quick. But the Pharisees, even though they knew the law, even though they knew the scripture, and even though they should have known these things were all pointing to a very special day and a very special man, they missed it. They missed it because they had an unteachable heart. They had a hardened heart because they insisted on being in control. Does that point to anyone in this place? Oh, I've got my hand up. Right? Because sometimes we want to be in control so bad. God, yeah, yeah, let's do it, but let's do it this way. God, let's take, care, let's take care of it this way. God, let's, let's go here. Let's move here. Let's move there. Let's do this. Let's do that. And as long as we're in control, everything is good. But when God begins to take the throne of our heart and we understand, okay, I'm not in control anymore. Some of us, we grab control back. And when we grab control back, it creates an unteachable heart. An unteachable heart. The disciples. Let's take a look at these guys. These guys, they'd walked with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. But all through their experience with Jesus, Jesus, in their mind, was holding them back. What are you talking about Jesus was holding them back? Because when Jesus, when he healed the lepers, remember that story? Jesus told them, go and tell the priest, but don't say a thing to anyone else. Okay? And when Jesus, when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead, you remember that? He told everyone, shh, there's no reason to talk about this. Keep it quiet. Okay, please, John, don't post this on Facebook again, right? That's what Jesus was saying. And when Jesus came to town from the Mount of Transfiguration, he told the disciples that were there with him, he said, say nothing to no one. Do not talk about what you've seen on this day. He has held them back in their mind. And in John chapter 8, verse 20, he tells them, my time has not yet come. Jesus telling them, it's not time yet. Okay, it's not time yet. But here they come walking into Jerusalem with people waving and shouting. And the disciples are looking around saying, this is awesome. Right? This is what we waited for. And they hear the Pharisees tell Jesus, order your followers to stop. And Jesus looks at them and says again, no, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road will cry out in the chair." And at that moment, if I'm a disciple, I'm losing my mind. 
If I'm a disciple there in that moment, this is what we have been waiting for. Jesus has given us the green light. If I'm with Jesus, I'm walking back up to the Pharisees and I'm going, yeah, can't touch this. Right? If I'm one of the disciples, I'm getting in the Pharisees' grill and I'm going, oh yeah, hey, you know? Come on, somebody. This is what we've been waiting on. I'd have been a bad disciple back then. I'd have been talking trash to the Pharisees. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's he coming after your job, baby. <laughs> you know? I've pictured this. And these guys were excited because Jesus was finally letting them go. But they're still missing it. Because Jesus was making a grand entrance, but it wasn't quite what they expected. Because the crown that he's about to wear had no jewels in it. And the throne that he's about to take was not on this earth. And the disciples' perspective was no, 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 not like this. In fact, in Matthew 16, 21, 22, it says this. It says, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he had suffered many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He'd be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus is not like this. This ain't going down like this. This ain't happening like this. I know you come into your kingdom. I know that you're here to do very special work, but not like this. This ain't happening. And I look at these three situations. I look at these three groups. I look at the crowd. I look at the Pharisees, and I look at the disciples. And if I can be honest, at some points, I can see myself in all three of them. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad he's not talking about you. I can see myself in all three of them. Now, the disciples, they were right. Jesus was the king of kings, but not the way they expected. Because much like the crowd, they thought Jesus was here to take up an earthly throne and they were saying, Jesus is not like this. See, but I know that our difficulties in life, I know our obstacles, I know our trials, I know our tough moments, they produce the character in us that's necessary for us to live this fruitful, productive life as a Christ follower. But there's a lot of times in life I don't want to have to go through what I need to get through to gain that character. And I'm saying, Jesus, not like this. Come on, somebody. Wouldn't it be cool if there was a spiritual Starbucks that supported America and the troops and all that stuff? Wouldn't it be cool if, if you could drive up to a spiritual Starbucks and go through the drive-thru or go inside, and maybe there's a nice lady there, a nice young man, and, hey, welcome to spiritual Starbucks. How can I help you today? Yeah, I'd like a grande patience and grace. Come on, somebody. But I need you to hold the tribulation. Right? I need a double shot of love. And can you top it off with a little bit of prosperity? If you do that, that'd be great. And put it in a cool sleeve. <laughs> you know? Wouldn't that be awesome? But it doesn't work that way, does it? A lot of times in my own life, I've been guilty of saying, God, I want to grow. That last song we said, I want to be close. I want to grow a little closer. Go a little deeper. I want to know your heart. I want to know your heart. And Jesus says, okay, let's do it. Went, no, 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 not like that. 
Not like that. I say, I, Jesus, I don't want to go through that. Because that, that's not cool, Jesus. I didn't sign up for that. I signed up for this. Come on, somebody. And, 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 but it doesn't happen like that. I want the full life, that abundant life you promised, Jesus, but, 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 but not like that. Like this. All three of these groups, the crowd, the Pharisees, the disciples, they all were there that day. They all experienced this entrance. They were there when Jesus came in, but they didn't quite understand because it wasn't quite what they expected. Again, I ask, do you see yourself in any of these groups? I know I see myself in all three on any given week sometimes. But something special happens when Jesus makes an entrance into your life as he made the entrance into Jerusalem that day. Something special happens when Jesus makes his entrance into your situation. Number one, he creates a beautiful disruption. What in the world do I mean by that? Well, Jesus had a conversation with Peter and Andrew when they were fishing in the Sea of Galilee. And, and these guys, they had a great business. They were in Forbes' top 500, right? Had a great business. But Jesus knew they wanted more out of life. Anybody here want more out of life? Jesus knew they wanted to do something significant. Anyone here want to do something significant with your life? So Jesus created disruption. They left their nets at once and they followed him and they were willing to lay it all down because they knew there had to be more to life than what they were doing. And Jesus comes in their life and he says, I will offer you the opportunity to do something significant. See, there's a phrase that we use. And it's the phrase, same old, same old. Anyone ever heard of the same old, same old? Maybe you're married and you wake up to the same old person on the same old side of the bed. At least I pray to God that you do. Right? We covered that back in February, all right? Same old, same old. Routine. Anyone, ever, anyone here ever get stuck in the same old, same old way of life? You wake up at the same old time, get out of that same old bed with that same old person beside you, go to that same old bathroom, take that same old shower with that same old body wash, we hope. Get out of that same old shower, towel off. It's a fresh towel, so it's not the same old towel. That's good. You brush those same old teeth. Some of us can do it like this. Some of us can do it like this, however you do it. Come on, somebody. Comb that same old hair the same old way. Put on the same old style clothes, go that same old truck, get in that same old truck, go that same old job. Go that same old job, get that same old check. Come back home after that same old job, that same old house, that same old wife, same old kids. Watch those same old shows, hear the same old news. Go that same old bed and do the next day, do the same old thing over and over again. Anyone here have a clue what I'm talking about? The rut. The rut. I'm not talking about deer season either. The rut. Robotic, unchallenged thinking. We're in a rut. Maybe this morning you're stuck in a rut. And you're in this robotic, unchallenged thinking. 
And they have been, there's been so many times I needed God to shake up some things in my life. To break me out of that same old, same old rut. And when Jesus enters my situation, he makes an entrance into my life. He creates a beautiful disruption and it leads to this. It leads to number two, a new perspective. A new perspective. How many know your, pers- your perspective is your reality? It really is. Your perspective is the framework through which you view the world and you interpret everything that happens to you. And there's a lot of things that go into this creation of, of perspective, your background, your childhood, your education, your travels, your experiences. All these things and a lot, a lot more contribute to the construction of your perspective. Let me give you an example. This is one of those gross youth pastor examples, okay? Everybody understand I'm the youth pastor now, right? I got in a vehicle, it's been a couple years back, and, and when I got in the vehicle, there was this foul, horrific, demon-possessed odor that hit me, okay? And instantly, it had an effect on me. And you know how, those of you that are parents, you have kids and your kids, you know, you, they, they can throw up and you can change diapers and it not affect you at all. You know, you, you know, there are some people that are just gifted this. They're changing a diaper with one hand, eating a burger with the other, right? They're just gifted, you know. <laughs> but then when it's someone else's kid, you know, you're like, oh, gross. That is disgusting. Take them to the car wash, right? Come on, somebody. It's just different. You get grossed out. Well, I sat down in this vehicle, and it smelled like someone, for lack of a better word, had tried to use the barf bag and missed. Okay? That's the kind of way I know how to put it. And me being me, I needed to know where. (laughs) Right? Come on, somebody. It was very important for me at that moment to know where this action happened and where it took place. And not only where it happened, but was anybody doing anything about it? And so I turned around and I looked in the seat behind me. We were in a church van. And the person behind me, sitting right in the seat behind me, was holding a pepperoni pizza. And they were putting Parmesan cheese on it. You will never look at Parmesan cheese the same after this day. And it was the combination of that pepperoni pizza and that Parmesan cheese, because it was a teenager, and, you know, they put three inches of Parmesan on top of the pizza. It was the combination of that cheese and that pizza that created that smell. Come on, somebody. How do you know what I'm talking about? And so you're like, gross, what is that? And then I turned around, and in one second, I went from, yuck, someone did something demonic in here, to, oh, that smells good. Can I have a piece? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why? Because everything had changed. My knowledge of the situation had changed, and my perspective instantly changed because I had a better understanding of what was really going on behind me. And so I went from, oh, I don't feel good, to, oh, I'm starving. That's a gift. <laughs> 
our perspective should develop as our relationship with Jesus deepens. In John 12, 16, it says his disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what, he, what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Oh, now we get it. The light bulb comes on. Now they get it. After Jesus had completed his mission, then their perspective changed. Their perspective developed as their relationship with Jesus deepened. And when my relationship deepens, my perspective is developed. And Jesus comes and he makes an entrance into my situation. And when he does, it may not be what I expect, but it is everything that I need. It's everything. And the week that lies ahead of us is Holy Week. And if there's any message in the days to come between now and Easter, it's that God's love is unstoppable. It's that God's love is uncontainable. It's that the love that Christ embodied on this earth was a love that knew no limits. It knew no boundaries. It knew no prejudices. It followed no rules. And it was withheld from no one. And what this week that lies ahead of us will show is that the greatest of human wrong cannot stop his love. And that the deepest of human betrayal cannot stop his love. And that the worst of humanity's cruelty cannot stop his love. And that death itself cannot stop his love. What it's going to prove to us is that your fear cannot stop his love. That your doubt cannot stop his love. That your sin cannot stop his love. That your past cannot stop his love. That your bitterness or your anger or your resentment cannot stop his love. That your regret cannot stop his love. That your failure cannot stop his love. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor present nor future nor powers nor any height nor death nor anything creation is able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. Do you hear me? When he enters your life, nothing can stop his love. So maybe you're here today and you can relate to one of these groups. You're in a situation this morning that you can relate to that crowd. You can relate to them. You can relate to the Pharisees. You can relate to the disciples. You understand what they're thinking because you've been thinking it. And just because you've been thinking it doesn't make you a bad person. It just means maybe our perspective of Jesus needs to change a little bit more. A little bit more. And I'm telling you, Jesus Jesus changes my perspective of him almost daily. Because every time I get in his word, I grow in knowledge of him, and my view of him changes just a little bit more. Because I, I see the love that he has for me. And I see the hope that he's given me. And I see the joy that he's set before me. And I see the future that he's planned for me. And I want to serve him even more. I want to serve him even more. Will you stand to your feet with me this morning? I ask you to bow your heads at this moment. Maybe you're here today and you can relate to one two or three of these groups that we talked about. Sometimes your perspective is like the crowd. Jesus, what am I going to get out of this? What's in this for me? That can be our focus sometimes. I've gone through seasons in my life, that's my focus. 
not only what can Jesus do for me, but what can the church do for me? And we can get stuck there. What can I get out of this? And if that's your focus this morning, let me tell you, you're missing out on the most incredible life and the most incredible blessing that's only found when we live a life of selfless love and sacrifice and service to others. Don't be like the crowd. Don't leave here today asking what's in it for me. What can I get out of this? Ask Jesus, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? If that's you, and I'm just going to ask us to be real honest at this time. And again, I believe if we're all honest, we say that certain seasons, we've, we've walked through all three of these. But you're here this morning, and that's kind of where you're at. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you out. But I do want to say a prayer for you. If that's you, and you say, yeah, that, that's where I'm at right now. I've been kind of selfish, asking what's in this for me. Lord, I'm ready for a new perspective. I'm ready for you to enter, make an entrance into this situation and change my perspective so that I can see you more clearly and I can know you more deeply. I'm ready. Ready to change. Will you raise your hand right now if that's you? Yeah. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Maybe sometimes your perspective is like the Pharisees. I'm in control here, Lord, not you. God, I've got a pretty good plan. If you'll just bless it, if you just make this happen, I'll map this out. This is what I want done. This is how I want to do it. I'm in control here, God. Maybe you can identify with those Pharisees. Or you just grabbing control of your life there's just something holding you back there's a fear of what if I give it all over to him what if he asked me to change this what if he asked me to do this what if he asked me to go here what if he asked me to say that the Pharisees they were scared they are afraid of what Jesus might do little did they know Jesus he would have loved them too if they had just gave it over to him. He would embrace them too. He had a plan for them too. It was a good plan. But they just couldn't quite give over control. Maybe that's you this morning. You're like, yeah, I I recognize what those those Pharisees are thinking. Because it's been what I've been thinking. If that's you, will you slip your hand up and just be honest right now? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Anybody else? Maybe you're here this morning and your perspective is a lot like those disciples. Lord, not like this. (laughs) God, I want to grow. God, I want that relationship with you, but man, not like this. I don't know if I can go through this, Lord. I don't know if I can take this. 
And he wants to get you out of that rut. He wants to get you into his destiny. This morning you're saying, God, I recognize that's where I'm at. I've been saying, God, not like this. I don't want it like this. But God, I'm ready for you to shake some things up in my life. Your word has targeted my heart this morning. And I'm ready to say, God, I'm all in. Any way and every way, I'm all in. Will you slip your hand up this morning? Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes. Awesome. Maybe you're here this morning. You're just kind of visiting, checking this thing out. You're not real sure about this Christian faith. This morning I want to tell you that Jesus, that same Jesus that made that unforgettable entrance into Jerusalem, he's ready to make an unforgettable entrance into your life this morning. He's ready to do some amazing, incredible things in your life if you'll just turn your life over to him. If you'll say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready for a brand new start with you. I'm ready for this relationship with you. I am not where I need to be, and I know that. There is sin in my life. I'm separated from you at this moment. But I'm ready for you to make an incredible entrance into my life this morning. Change my perspective. Give me hope and give me joy and give me peace. I'm ready to trade everything, all the cares and burdens and worries that I have over for everything that you have. Make that entrance into my life today. If that's you, by chance, there's one here this morning. You need to make this decision to give everything to Christ. Come on, will you slip your hand up right now? Is there anybody in this place? Thank you. Yes, thank you. Wow. Praise your name. Praise your name. I'm going to lead this congregation in a prayer. If you're here this morning, I want you to say this prayer with us. Especially you that raised your hands on any four of those calls. We're believing God to do a supernatural work in your heart and in your life this morning. Do a supernatural touch in your spirit. We will not walk out of here the same way. Our perspective changes today because today he's making an entrance into our life, into our situation. So would you join me in this prayer? Say, Lord, I come before you today in need of a Savior. I cannot save myself. So today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give everything I have over to you. Take my life. Use me and mold me. Make me into what you want and who you want me to be. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are my Savior and you are my Lord. So thank you today for saving my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, for those who raise their hand, they say, God, I I recognize 
I recognize this morning that I'm a lot like that crowd. I'm a lot like that crowd, God. I, I, I say what's in it for me, Father. I, I pray this morning that those who raise their hand, they said, yeah, that, that's me, God. I pray that, that today that you would just speak to their heart and speak to their life. I, I pray that today, God, we, uh, that, that, that target of, of selfishness that's in our spirit right now, God, that that would just, that would just go. And Father, we speak the word of God over them. And God, we speak hope over them. And we speak love over them. And we speak grace over them. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that, that we're not leaving here like the crowd. We're not asking what's in it for me, God. We're asking, God, what can I do for you? God, what would you have for my life? Father, for those who are like the Pharisees, and God, they just, they, they, they're wrapped up in control. God, they want control, Father. I pray that they would just turn it loose and turn it over to you this morning. God, that they would make that decision in their heart and in their life right now. That God, that they will, 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 will give you full reins of every part and every fiber of their being. And God, that right now control is yours, that we remove ourselves from the throne of our life, God, so that you may sit there and rule and reign over our situations and circumstances and over us as a whole. Father, for those who are like the disciples, God, and they said, they said God, just not like this, just not like this. God, I pray that you would just speak to them right now. Father, I pray that you would show them that your way is so much greater, that your, 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 your ways are, are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And Father, there is such a great destiny that awaits them. God, if we'll just give it over to you and say, okay, I, I give. God, it's yours. It's yours. I will do it your way. And so, Father, I pray this morning. I pray for every heart, every life, and every individual in this place. God, go with us, lead us, guide us, direct us. God, inhabit our life, God, and do an incredible thing. And God, we just ask you for this, and we declare it done, and we declare it so. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen.